If I'm honest, I didn't start writing to become a famous writer. I wasn't going to publish anything. When I started writing in 2015, I started putting stuff on Royal Road almost immediately, right? Mm -hmm. I had no desire to become a published writer. I had no desire to become a famous writer. I loved telling stories. I loved writing. I loved exploring these worlds and seeing where things would go. And that allowed me to polish my craft to the point where other people wanted to pay for it. This is the Crit RPG Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal road. Hi, and welcome everyone to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast that invites authors who are interested in writing books about farming. With me today is Seth Ring, author of Battle Mage Farmer and many other cool books that we're going to talk about among the Nova Terror series and, of course, um, Forge Master Arcanist and the newly released Dreamer's Drum. We've been talking about that for 45 minutes and, <laughs> yeah, you should listen to the bonus material. Wink, wink, wink. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing so well. Really okay. excited to be here. Yes, <laughs> me too. Um, it's always super cool to have all these people coming in and mm -hmm. having a conversation about writing. Um, yeah, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for people who don't know you? Sure. So my name is Seth. Um, I've written 26 books. I've published most of them. And I am partly self-published and I'm partly traditionally published. And I like writing on Royal Road and I have a Patreon community. And I have just been enjoying writing lit RPGs so much. The community is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And it's just been an absolute blast. But I've been writing since 2000 I'm sorry, I've been publishing since 2018, writing since 2015. Um, so I've been at this for a little while. Um, and and yeah, I've just been, I've been having a great time. Mm -hmm. I Before we go into the first question, I have one question that came to mind. Sure. How do you maintain your pace? Oh man, um, time. I spend a lot of time writing and uh, I'm very conscious of um, how I divide my attention. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just very sort of intentional about sitting down and writing every day and mm -hmm. uh, doing my best to practice good writing habits. Um, it's probably overcompensation, if I'm honest. I tend towards just sitting on the couch and not doing anything um, as my natural state. And very so... Very relatable. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, I set goals and and push pretty hard to keep at them. Um, but for me, it's really just consistency. It's mm -hmm. about doing at least a little bit every day and continuing my momentum um, to get through stuff. Do you have a schedule? Um, yes, I do. So I wake up at um, 4.45 in the morning and I get my coffee and I write until 6.30 and then I have breakfast and then at 7 I start writing again. At 11.30 I go and ride my bike and then um, at 1 I'm back to either writing or making YouTube videos or um, uh, meetings and I'll do all of my like businessy stuff in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I do my writing in the morning and try to get um, minimum of five hours but typically eight hours of writing in a day. 
Okay, wow. Five hours, that's a lot. Yeah. Oof. I... I'm happy when I can maintain too. So yeah, well, and I and I do want to say because this this does come up a lot. Um, I am mm-hmm. a full time writer, so mm-hmm. that's all I do is mm-hmm. writing, and I treat it very much like I did my day job. You know, um, I used to work for um, an IT company doing sales and stuff like that, and I had to clock in every morning, you know, and I would clock out in the evening, and so I treat my writing very much the same way. I don't carry my phone on me in the morning. Um, I try to block YouTube and all of these other websites mm-hmm. that will I'll lose myself in for hours and hours mm-hmm. um, during the daytime. And so I'm very, I'm treating it very much like it's a professional business mm-hmm. that um, I'm working for somebody else. Now, in this case, I'm working for myself, but <laughs> um, I treat it as if I'm working, as if I'm an employee. You're working for future Seth. That's right. That's a hundred percent true. And future um, Seth, Seth is going to be really upset if I slack off today. <laughs> he's also going to be rich, so that's fine. Well, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I've tried to do what you what you're describing, mm-hmm. and my life hack is cafes without internet. That's the yes. only way I can manage to actually get some get some writing done. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just. Honestly, the internet is fantastic, but such a, such a time sink. Like mm-hmm. I lose so much time, so mm-hmm. much time in it. So fun. So though. much time you could be spending writing what, for example? Well, so much time that I could be spending on the, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six active series that I have right now. Um, I'm a little bit backed up as far as books that I owe. Um, and so. Yeah. In the writing business, we call this uh, your Ravens daggering your books. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yes. yes. Okay. Yes. That's great. Um, yeah. Not, not to like compare you guys, of course, but yeah, that, yeah. that's the, the yeah, joke. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so I have yeah. a ton of different series that I'm writing mm-hmm. and I swap between them um, writing one book. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't write simultaneously oh. because I find that that's very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will write one book, finish it. I'll start the next one almost immediately. And I just write them sort of like that. How do you manage to do that and still have people not lynch you on railroad? If one book goes on hiatus for such a long time. Um, well, they're about to because, uh, I just put dreamers throne on hiatus. I'm, I'm through book three on that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but book three ends in kind of a rough place. <laughs> and, and then I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I don't have a choice. I have another book that I have to finish first, like because of my schedule. Um, mm-hmm. and so sorry, like tough luck. Um, that's hard. That's honestly yeah. just really tough. At this point, I may or may not fade the screen to gray and write like R.I.P. Seth Ring to 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Lynched by Royal Road people. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, and then like the, the epitaph, like he sat on the dreamer's throne. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's really fun. <laughs> it's dumb, yeah. but fun. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, so we could be talking about all of your books. But I definitely think we should be talking about Battle Mage Farmer because that's how most people know you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then any other books that you want to talk about without killing me in editing. <laughs> um, sure. So the first book, our first question I should actually ask is how or why this story? And I'll let you pick whatever book you want. Sure. So let's talk about Battle Mage Farmer. Um, cool. Battle Mage Farmer came about because I have an obsession with mixing genres. <laughs> and it was it was during it was during the pandemic. So it was like 2020, I think. And I had this idea and I was like, I think it would be really cool to write a cozy post-apocalyptic book. And at the time, I don't know why farming stuck out to me. So I had not read Beware of Chicken. Mm -hmm. I had not read um, uh, Benjamin Curie's... Uh, oh, great. Help. Yeah, oh, great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always help. I reincarnated it, or oh, great. Oh, great. Yeah, oh, I great. reincarnated as a farmer. Yeah. For me, it's like I've been or I was. And I think it's... Oh, great. I was reincarnated as a farmer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Please don't kill me, Ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I mean, I hadn't read those books. Um, mm. I hadn't read Casual Farming. Mm. And and so I started writing this, and I was thinking to myself, okay, how do I... I love Westerns, um, and I wanted sort of a Western vibe, and I was like, how do I do post-apocalyptic that's not... that's slice of life and is casual, Right. And, um, or, or a bit cozy. And I had this idea that this guy wanders into town and he has a, a, a past, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the Western trope is that the guy comes into town and he has this terrible past and he's trying to make something new of himself, but then his skills come in handy as things progress. Right. And he just happens to be really good at violence. <clears throat> And I thought particular set of skills, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so that was sort of my conception of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I had this idea. What would happen if you took somebody out of one context and put them in another and their skills were not necessarily suited. And that's where the, what is a battle? What is the antithesis of a battle mage? Well, it's a farmer, right? One person destroys everything. One person grows it grows things right yeah. and one person is in these super high intense like situations all the time dangerous situations and the other person i don't know if you how much you know about farming um i live in a in a community with a lot of farmers mm -hmm. and things are busy but slow in a way and they just sort of the days move along you know mm -hmm. um and the the battle mage has very little time for introspection. The farmer has huge amounts of time for introspection, mm. right? Because of the nature of their tasks. And so that's what I decided on. I thought, okay, I'm going to have a battle mage, right? And I like to tell people when I'm talking about the book, you know, it's about a battle mage who's retired from a decade of, of you know, terrible war. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And he's going to become a farmer, but the only spell he knows is fireball. <laughs> and that was my conception of John. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that to a certain extent, it was just in the zeitgeist because mm -hmm. when battle mage farmer dropped, beware of chicken was, was moving to Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, Ben's book was coming out. Uh, Wolf Locke's book was coming out. Like 
these books were all, they all hit in the same like four month period mm-hmm. and boosted each other because people were like, oh, that was really good. Have you read uh, yeah, this other nice. thing that's in the same category? Right. And so I think there was this, this like uplifting effect mm-hmm. as people would read one and then go and read the other. So you know? you're saying you got each other far more readers? <laughs> yes. That's exactly nice. what I'm saying. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's that pretty dope. I mean, I never really thought about the fact of, that there's this um, uh, echo. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But but it, it was fascinating because it happened simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Again, I I don't think anybody was reading one of the other books and being like, oh, let me quick write mm-hmm. something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. If, if you're in the audience, think that that's how writing works. It doesn't. Um, actually, I meant, I meant to ask you. So sometimes um, people are telling me like, oh, yeah, you're writing about this and this. You should have read this and this. And I haven't. And mm. I tell them, cool, I'll check it out. But I only do that after I've written my book. Yeah. Are you like that too? Absolutely. 100%. I am, um, I've actually abandoned projects mm. because I made the mistake of reading something. <laughs> okay. And being like, oh, I now can't make this distinct enough in my mm-hmm. own head mm-hmm. that it's not a copy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got a lot of comments on, on Battle Mage Farmer um, that was like, oh, this is a worse version of Beware of Chicken. Oof. I read I read Beware of Chicken and I loved it. I, mm-hmm. Like, I adore that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the first book. Mm-hmm. I had the advantage of being a faster writer in the sense that I was producing my content and taking it to market quicker. Mm-hmm. So now I don't get those comments anymore, mm-hmm. but that's because I'm on book six and beware of chicken. I think the second one has come out. Yeah. He's the third one's coming out soon at some point. Yeah. yeah. There's also right. a shift in tone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing is that, um, I wrote battle mage farmer and, then read Beware of Chicken. And that informed the way I took the the series. Mm, okay. Because I was like, okay, he seems to be moving in one direction. Mm. I'm going to differentiate by moving in a slightly different direction. Still staying mm. true to my original vision for the book and for the characters and their interactions, but I'm going to just take it a different, a slightly different way, mm. right? And that did happen because I read... <laughs> you know, some of these other farming books and was like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm staying out, out of their way mm-hmm. so that they're not, you know, writing their book and somebody's coming along and being like, oh, this is like Battle Mage Farmer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think there's space in that tiny, tiny sub, 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 sub genre <laughs> of farming lit RPG for everybody, right? And so... As, as I was also reading their books, because they're, they're great books, mm. I was also adjusting what I was doing in terms of like overall direction of the series so that you could read all of them independently and they're all very different, you know? Yeah. You described it as kind of, kind of setting, setting boundaries so that you don't nudge into things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have a problem of, um, um, lightning rods. 
you know when when i read something for example i've, I've been meaning to read um cyber dreams mm -hmm. also sci-fi female mc cyberpunk that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um, but i deliberately don't because if i do read that my mind immediately goes let's do the exact opposite gotcha and okay because like it hones in on that thing and then like swirls around it until i can no longer get away from it right. and then even if i try to get away from it it's still being led by the absence of that thing so i just like yeah. to be completely free because that's what's fun to me yes yeah, yeah also, you mentioned mm -hmm. you mentioned um in the in the bonus material mm -hmm. how you enjoy the exploration yeah of a story and i'm very much the same way um one thing i will say is that part of my um part of my compensation for my challenge with plot is um because because i feel like that's one of the weakest areas of my writing is plot but part of the way i compensate is this idea of setting a core concept for what i want my story mm. to be about and then setting up boundaries ahead of time so that mm. i know where i'm not going mm -hmm. and then anything inside of that is fair game mm -hmm. and i can explore however i want but i have those strict boundaries for like I'm not going over there or I'm not going in that direction. Mm. And I find that my creativity is freer in that space because I'm not paralyzed by um, there being too many possibilities, mm. right? I'm not paralyzed by indecision. Mm. And I'm also, um, but I'm not so constrained that it feels formulaic, right? I still mm. get a lot of that, um, that exploration, that feeling of, of what's around the corner. Absolutely. Um, one cheat that I have enjoyed is, you know how when you write a scene, you, um, as a, especially as a panzer, you take characters, throw them into a room and see what they do. Mm -hmm. So I know the beginning of the end scene of Torchbearer. I know who's going to be in that room. I know where the mm -hmm. room is going to be. I know who the characters are going to be. I don't know in what state they'll be in, what they will mm -hmm. say, what they will have experienced, and I want to find out. That's what I'm yeah. going for. So that always helps too. And I think it's, yeah, it's I a little bit that. like what you said. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Um, so while we're talking about writing advice, what's the best writing advice you have ever gotten as a writer? If you are a friend of the kazoo ad, you have to be very, very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherdaloon went and bought the tear that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts. And, and now it is gone. So you got Sherdaloon to thank for that. On the other hand, if you want to add the kazoo ad again, there's a tear for that too. Thanks so much for listening and let's get on with the show. Write more. <laughs> and this one yeah. is this one is interesting um because it does have to be like it does have to be qualified mm -hmm. with write more always intending to improve mm, okay don't just keep writing write with the intent to improve but write more there's nothing mm -hmm. that teaches you to write dialogue like writing thousands of lines of bad dialogue as long as you recognize that they're bad 
right? There's nothing, there's nothing that teaches you how to, um, how to plot a novel, like writing a lot of novels mm -hmm. and seeing how people feel about your plots. Right. <laughs> so that feedback is obviously really important, but perfection is the enemy, yes. right? It's when we want something to be perfect, we tend to spend so much time on it, mm -hmm. but it's in the first 80% of our practice that we make the most progress. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that last 20% of polishing something to perfection mm -hmm. is it requires so much more effort mm -hmm. to do that last bit of polishing. And I think the mistake that people make is in thinking that by doing the last 20% of that polishing of, of, you know, making the perfect novel mm -hmm. that it's going to remain perfect. The problem mm -hmm. is that they're getting better. Mm -hmm. And so you can't ever have a perfect novel because mm -hmm. you're going to get better through the process of writing it. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to look back on it and you're going to grow and change. And you're going to look back on something you wrote a year ago and be like, why did I write that? Even though at <laughs> the time, it was, right? Exactly. Even at the time, it was like the best thing. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not intending to improve, writing forces you to improve. The repetition and practice of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was that is the best advice that I've ever gotten is write more. And it actually also works on the um, on the practical sales side. What sells books? More books. There's mm -hmm. nothing that sells books better than a sequel. There's nothing mm -hmm. that sells books better than another book that you wrote that somebody likes. And now they're going to look you up and they're going to buy everything else you've written. Okay, I need to write. Thanks for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I I might have fallen. In, I, it's very hard for me to, because I'm a coach. I know the 80-20 mm -hmm. rule. Yeah. But it's very hard to figure out when you are in that 80% and when you're yes. in the 20%. 100%. Torchbearer has a very crappy beginning. Mm -hmm. Do I want to put in another uh, 100 hours to fix yeah. that? I don't know. Yeah. Because I don't know how much of a difference it will make. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know, that's we'll so this is a this is a really interesting conversation because I have made a conscious decision not to go back and rewrite Nova Terra Titan, the first mm -hmm. book I ever wrote. Mm -hmm. And I am I I second guess that decision almost <laughs> every day. I have yet to to reverse my decision, but mm -hmm. I think about it almost every day. Mm -hmm. And I am honestly slightly embarrassed to recommend that book to people. Oh. And yet, and yet more people have found me mm -hmm. through in in lit RPG circles, mm -hmm. I am more well known for Battle Mage Farmer. Mm -hmm. Outside of lit RPG circles, I have a fairly significant audience. And it is all because people have found Novaterra Titan mm -hmm. and they like it enough to keep reading. And by mm -hmm. the end of the Titan series, they are firm fans. Cool. But I think about going back and rewriting it mm -hmm. all the time. I had this idea of doing a video titled Shit Lit RPG People Don't Say. You know, like one of those like old time mm -hmm. memes because... 
I'm a millennial boomer. Um, <laughs> an elder millennial. Yes. And one of the things that lit RPG readers don't say is, oh, it's perfect by the first book. You didn't even need to read the second one. Right. Because everyone always, like, the thing you hear most about lit RPGs, any lit RPG, except for some exceptions, like, for example, He Fights of Monsters, because mm -hmm. he wrote like 18 months on this thing, mm -hmm. um, is you kind of have to get through the first book and the rest is really good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the second book gets better. Yeah. It gets better by the second book. Yeah. Yeah. And because, because as I say, we, we mm -hmm. grow. Um, yes. That being said, there is a difference between eating dry cake and eating cake filled with razor wire. Yeah. So <laughs> this is very true. But there is a distinction there. You don't know what it is until you bite in. Like That's even right. as the baker, you don't know. That's right. Yeah. It, uh, strawberries, razor wire, same thing. Really, like <laughs> really hard to distinguish. <laughs> um, so you already said that you grow as a writer as yes. you write. So tell me about one thing that you learned while writing that you would go back to and then kind of rewrite Titan. Yeah, so um, my prose is just a lot rougher in um, in the first books that I wrote than it mm -hmm. is now. And so I think I could tighten a lot. Um, I think <laughs> there's... The, yes. <laughs> I think... <laughs> Sorry, man. That's okay. Um, I think that there's a lot that I could do to make it less meandering at the same time i think there is a there's an unconscious charm there that i might ruin without mm. realizing it mm. um i think the i have a very fail forward mentality when it comes mm. to almost everything mm. especially writing though and so i'm very rarely thinking about things that i have done incorrectly in previous books with any desire to go and change them. Mm -hmm. It's more like, okay, what's the one thing that I need to focus on for this coming book? What's the thing that I need to do to make this book better, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm very much focused on sort of that, that um, incremental improvement mm -hmm. because I'm going to write a lot of books in my mm -hmm. life. I'm not going to write a few masterpieces. I'm just going to write so many books that eventually I'm good at this, right? <laughs> That's my goal is write yeah. so many books that eventually people are like, well, his 50th book was great. Yeah, I, th I think I think there's uh, there's a scale. We talked mm -hmm. about Raven's Daggering books. There's also Rothfossing books. So, Correct. Right? Yeah, the, you, can go, you can go either way, right? Mm. Um, I have learned that systems are really important in lit RPG. Mm -hmm. And that is a weakness of mine. I am very much a pantser. And so yeah. I just make it up as I go. <laughs> yeah. And then often I write myself into corners and I'm like, mm -hmm. this is so frustrating. I wish I could just throw all this out, but I can't because I already wrote seven books and how established you, how it's going to be. How do you do that then? Do you just like back up? So I have been, I have been starting to reduce the scope of my systems dramatically. <laughs> yeah. That's how I'm solving it. 
is I'm not, you know, I'm not Norit Flood. I can't write these incredibly complex mm. giant systems that work tightly together. I just, mm-hmm. I don't have that, that bent. And, um, I admire that tremendously. All of my, like so many of my favorite lit RPGs have great, great systems, but that's not how I write. Mm-hmm. And so instead I've been starting to reduce. I've been mm-hmm. starting to make the systems lighter. Battle Mage Farm is a great example of it. Mm-hmm. It's barely lit RPG in the <laughs> sense that the game is there to serve the story. It's not yeah. the focus of the story. This is cross-pollination. So Shirt last week, or two weeks ago, said the same thing. So mm-hmm. he wrote this huge-ass system, and he boiled it down to 150 skills for the first character, at which point he said, wait a second. Yep. Because, yes, it is still a lit RPG and not an RPG. Mm-hmm. So... I think people like Norit, uh, who writes randomly Ghost Hound, mm-hmm. is yeah, pretty much a genius when it comes to systems. And yeah. I think many people read those books because of those systems. Um, and there is a strong assumption that you can't write lit RPG without writing or having a good system. Personally, the numbers have to go up. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a calculator next to my book going like, is this number right? I don't right. know. Um, Warforge does it really well with the with the tier system. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many points he got. You just know that he just went from F to D. Awesome. Right. right so. Yeah, I think, and I think that that, for those of us who aren't as good at sort of keeping all of the pieces mm-hmm. floating, mm-hmm. Um, I think that that idea of saying, well, I'm going to put the lit part first, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to make it so that the the system serves the story and serves mm-hmm. the characters um, and has that sense of progression. Like you said, mm-hmm. numbers need to go up, right? And as long as you have that, I think you're good. I think you're, that's what you need. One hack I have discovered this week is, and people are going to stone me for this probably, but chat GPT. Yeah. Yeah, you tell ChatGPT, so I have a system where I need to have uh, multiple classes and they have have multiple levels and I want them to not just be additive, but I want for the first level to be always the minimum and then all the others like give less bonuses the more classes you have. Can you please give me math formula for this? And ChatGPT delivered. I had to corroll it a little bit and now I have this formula. And I have a chat GPT thread where I'm like, hey, yo, chat GPT, my character Waverly just hit like level 16 on a second class and like level 18 on a third class and it's like level 20 base. Can you please do the math? And chat GPT goes like, of course I can. And then it does the math for that's you. That's a fantastic use. That's a, that's a genius use. Yes. Of a, of a tool that is effectively a glorified calculator and is yes. saving you a huge amount of time. Yeah. I needed to tell it to stop writing prose because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be influenced. Um, yeah. And it writes, it writes some really interesting prose, but it's just fluffy. It just, mm-hmm. it, it's, there's no, it, there's no substance. There's yeah. no substance. It's really weird. And I hope mm-hmm. it stays that way because I want to earn money with this. Um, <laughs> God, like, I've, can you, I imagine? think that's a cool, I think that's a really cool 
use for it. Yeah. You can do a lot of stuff with this. Like for ideation, it's also pretty fun. You need to like take a step back and not take yep. everything it says and you know, have a yep. conversation with it. And so like, I like this idea, but I don't like that one. Right. And this is what I'm going to do. And then just use it as a notepad that talks back, basically. It's really good for that yeah. kind of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're really brave, ask it for what could be potential pitfalls with the system. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. so what, I, what I've observed about AI tools like this are that you can replicate the same thing in a conversation with other authors. Mm-hmm. Right, you could do that same exact thing in a in a Discord thread, right? Yep. Um, talking with other authors about about mm. this stuff, um, and as long as you're not asking it to do mm. your creative work for you, mm. I think that it's a, like this might be a controversial statement, but I think ideation is the easiest and least valuable skill of a creative person. Curation of ideas, I think, is the more valuable skill. What makes you say something so controversial, yet so brave? <laughs> I love this quote. No, so one the agree. Yeah, because because like you can just get a hundred people in a room and they'll give you as many ideas as you want, right? But choosing the good ideas, choosing mm. how those ideas interact, and and exploring the um exploring that interaction <clears throat> i think that's the real value of a creative person and chat gpt can't do that mm-hmm. at least yet yet i like that idea so much i actually made it the headline of one of my chapters yeah um the chapter is called executrix and the tagline is um ideas are easy execution is hard mm-hmm. 100%. so yeah it yeah because just it is can't say anything else. I think that's why many of these AI writing programs that are out there, where it's, I think, novel AI and like, oh, it'll give the ideas and it will write the book. It's very formulaic and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't do that. So imagine I'm a carpenter and I'm a carpenter for fun. And I'm a highly skilled craftsman who wants to sell individually handmade chairs and tables and furniture. I want a good tool that I can use. I do not want a CNC lathe. Right. Right. So a CNC lathe, for those of you who don't know it, it's basically an anti-3D printer. It takes a solid block of material and then carves something out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's programmable. So you just it, punch it, in what exactly. you want and then it... Yeah. It right. takes the craftsmanship out of the craftsman. Mm-hmm. Um, or, well, it does it for you. This is not a bad thing, especially for like precise engineering. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue is that as a writer, I want to write. I want yeah. to have an idea and I want to take this idea to implementation. This is what's fun. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the purpose. It's the mastery. It's the right. Um, autonomy, right? To quote David Pink. Mm-hmm. But with these AI tools... I am no longer a craftsman crafting a chair. I'm a programmer mm-hmm. um, operating a CNC lathe. Yeah. And I think that that's why these things will not sell. Um, I think what will sell at some point is here's a subscription to a perfectly trained AI novel writing engine. 
that can generate you as a reader any novel you want mm. at infinitum. Mm. Many readers that enjoy success on Royal Road right now, including myself, by the way, so any, anyone below like 4,000, 5,000 followers in total, will have an issue earning money on Patreon at some mm. point if these AI programs get, get good enough. Um, I don't think there will ever be a market where, you know, Patrick Rothfuss needs to be scared for his money. Yeah. But he will earn like far, 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 far less. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember, we're only in the first year of this. Right. That's the thing is, I think that, that there's going to be a ton of disruption. Mm. I think that um, people who start learning how to use these tools appropriately are going to gain advantage. Mm. I do think that anybody who is at least in these generations trying to outsource their um, the execution is really going to struggle. Not legal advice. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, and I would man, and was... I would even say you know. You, Anybody who's doing that is doing themselves a disservice. Anybody mm -hmm. who's using these generative tools to replace themselves as a writer mm -hmm. is doing themselves a disservice because there is nothing I have found that is that is more satisfying in the long term mm -hmm. than writing. Yep. And so if you are a writer, then write. And if you're worried because you're not making money, there are other ways besides just pumping out crappy books to solve that problem. You know, I, yeah, it, it's also, um, writing is one of those last few things that you can do truly on your own yes. without being dependent on anyone else until they need to give you money. Yeah. So it, many people like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I also always thought I was, was going to be an author, um, but I was too scared and I was depressed and everything and all of that. So I didn't really do it. And I became a coach instead. So mm -hmm. an agile coach. And I found out that I actually love talking to people. Mm -hmm. So now I can write for fun because my job generates enough income. Yeah. And I can actually pump money into this podcast just because it's fun, mm -hmm. which doesn't mean that I want to. I want to break even. So if you listen to this, you know, Patreon, like, subscribe, you know, thing. thank you. Um, but yeah, so I always think that sometimes in lit RPG, especially, or in, in the 20 books, 50 K, mm -hmm. um, community yep. or self-public community, everyone's so obsessed with making it big in writing yep. that they kind of, you know, put on blinders and kind of forget that there are other ways of becoming happy. Yeah. And right. It's cool. Absolutely. Love that you can do what you do. Mm -hmm. I would also do that if I could. Um, but I'm not going to break myself trying to get there. Yeah. And here's another controversial statement. Um, success is success is one of the trickiest things in the world because it is both externally and internally uh, defined simultaneously we define mm -hmm. what success is for ourselves, and we also absorb what other people tell us success looks like mm -hmm. a lot of people have a love of writing mm -hmm. but also have a need to eat mm -hmm. and they confuse the 
Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you are interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Those things. And so people, people end up in this situation where they feel like they have to chase the next writing fad or the next, like they have to do the writing thing in a specific way to generate money so that they can do what? Write more? Mm-hmm. If you exactly. write in that way, you're going to burn out. You're not going to have fun. This thing that you thought you loved is suddenly going to turn into a total drag. Mm -hmm. As opposed to pursuing something that will pay the bills, that you Mm -hmm. like well enough, right? Mm -hmm. And then finding the joy in the writing that you can do. If if I'm honest, I I didn't start writing to become a famous writer. I wasn't going to publish anything. When I started writing in in 2015 and I started putting stuff on Royal Road almost immediately, right? Mm -hmm. I had no desire. I had no desire to become a published writer. I had no desire to become a famous writer. It was all like, I loved telling stories. I loved writing. I loved exploring these worlds and seeing where things would go. And that allowed me to polish my craft to the point where other people wanted to pay for it. Mm Right. And I think people people do this backwards. Yep. They they set out with money as the goal so that they can do what they love. So that That's they can the great irony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you come at it from the opposite direction, if you say, you know what, I'm just gonna do this thing that I really love and I'm gonna get mm. really good at it, mm. then eventually you will find out whether or not you want to be a published author. Eventually you'll find out whether you want to make a career of it. And eventually you'll be so good that people can't ignore you. Mm. Yes. And on top of that, I would even say it's probably the only way to ever get good at this. Because if you're only chasing stuff, if you're only yeah, absolutely doing all this other stuff, then you will never have the joy that is required to put into your books. And yeah. people will know if you had fun writing a book. Oh, 100%. Oh my goodness, yes. That's, I, that's one of the weirdest experiences as an author when mm-hmm. your readers are like, oh, you didn't like this. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's, I think I mentioned this metaphor in the Robin Sullivan podcast already, but um, manager comes to this coastal town and he finds a fisherman. And the fisherman sitting on the beach and reading a book. It's two in the afternoon. And the manager goes, like, What are you doing? And the fisherman says, I, I got my catch. I'm reading a book. And the manager's like, yeah, but why? You could be going out there. You could be catching more fish. And the fisherman goes, yeah, but I've got my catch. I got my book. And the manager said, yeah, but if you go out and if you catch more fish now, you can sell those fish and you can get a second boat. You can hire people. You can build like an entire fishing imperium. And then mm-hmm. you would be a super rich. And the fisherman says, yeah, and then? And the manager goes, well, then I would sit on the beach and read a book. <laughs> that's right yep 
So, ah, nice. Um, speaking of reading books, yes. What's one book that you love and why is it awesome? Oh man, so um, books that I read recently. Um, his name has has come up a lot. Um, I just read Benjamin Carey's Death Loot and Vampires. Yeah, and I love that book. It's so good. It's it's just fantastic. Um, one of the things I loved so much about it, and I, I didn't know how he was going to handle this, mm-hmm. uh, but he did a really good job of taking a human, making them an inhuman monster, <laughs> yeah. and then making them human. Yeah. Right? And he captured really, really well that feeling of monstrousness. Mm-hmm while also humanizing the character to the point that you're rooting for him. Yes. And it isn't always like this really big emotional struggle edgelord stuff. Correct. In fact, what was genius about it is he went the opposite direction. He just took the emotion in a lot of ways out of it while still creating situations that make the reader feel emotional, but Mm -hmm. the character is not. Yeah, he's just like la di da di da, floating through the scene, right? But you understand, and you also understand the intellectual, mm-hmm. like, hang up of I should be feeling something right now, but mm-hmm. I'm a monster, mm-hmm. and the fact that I don't care that I'm not feeling anything mm-hmm. is bothering to yeah. him. Like, it, like that's the, and so I just thought it was really well done. Uh, on top of being a really fun book, because mm-hmm. it's very fun. Like everything so he writes, it's super fun, um, and his prose is great. He's just got he's got good pacing. Um, I the just thought that was a particularly well done character. Yeah, all of the characters are great. My mm-hmm. personal favorite is still well. It's a minor spoiler. Later on, there's a character that um, one of the vampires' minions gets another minion, mm-hmm. and that character. It's all very, very boisterous until they face the main character and the main character has to rise, raise his eyebrow. And mm-hmm. this boisterous character goes like, hey, whoa, whoa. sorry, I'm <laughs> just joking. Everything's fine. Um, <laughs> and, and as always, Travis Baldry mm-hmm. elevates the entire thing like to another level. I mean, we don't, we don't deserve the audiobook narrators, man. It's they're fantastic. Yeah, but 100% right. I think it's one of the only books on Amazon that is 4.8 stars. Yeah, it's it's really tough to get yeah. like to stay there. Mm-hmm. It's very tough to stay there. And, and he man. he does. He's mm-hmm. still on there. Yep. And uh yeah, so go and read Death Loot and Vampires. Uh I as far as I know, uh, Benjamin Carre is now writing the second one and then he's writing the farmer one, so yeah, um, I think, yeah, because I think um, perimeter defense, no. Oh, yeah, um, the first line of defense. Yes, first line of defense just came out, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, that was, I, I still need to read that one. I have, some, I have such a huge backlog. Um, it's so hard. Yeah, I promised Ravensdagger I would read up to Strayker's Strat 6 because... Um, Okay, so that's going to be my shout-out. You all know this book. It's out there. But Stray Cat Strat, it's good. Go and read it. It's one of Raven Zegger's 
best novels and it's almost hope punky um mm -hmm. fans of this podcast will know what i'm talking about so it's not it's fueled by orphans um love it absolutely actually it is yeah right it is fueled by orphans holy shit wow that one's that one's on my list so it's the cool thing about it is that he takes something very very gruesome two very very gruesome things alien invasions of unthinking uncaring plant monsters you want to devour mm -hmm. in a corporate bullshit cyberpunk <laughs> thing right. and he makes it so that you always think like hey yeah we got this Mm -hmm. Even when shit really hits the fan, mm -hmm. and it does, you're like, maybe we don't got this, but we got this. Yeah. I love so that. It is wonderful. The characters are all amazing. Lucy mm -hmm. is a fan favorite for a reason. Um, there's nothing that woman can't do, honestly. Uh, also, super diverse. Uh, great system. It's a great system that you can lose yourself in and kind of mm -hmm. explore. And there's a reason why so many people write so many fan fictions about it because the system is supremely exploitable. Um, so yeah, Stray Cats Drop by Raven's Dagger. Go and check it out. Okay. Um, now, shoutouts. So this this one, I don't do a lot of reading anymore. And so I'm very picky about the, I'm sorry, that's, that's wrong. I don't do a lot of reading inside lit RPG anymore. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. As most other authors who write in lit RPG, I read mm -hmm. everything coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. But as my sort of production schedule has gotten more um, demanding and as I've been writing more, I find myself being very choosy about, what I read. And so I have a huge, you know, to be read list and, um, and whenever I get a chance, I'll often take like three days or four days in between books and I'll just read as many books as I can in those, you know, in those few days. Um, but one of the, one of the series this year that has just really captured me is all the skills. And I know this isn't, oh. this isn't a, you know, um, Honor Ray doesn't need my shout out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty monster, monster series. But um, it is, in my opinion, one of the best examples of fantasy lit RPG that exists. Yes. Just, it is the standard as far as I'm concerned um, that I use as I'm thinking through my own fantasy lit RPG mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. That is the, like it just set a new standard for quality of writing mm. um, sort of uh, like for quality of writing for the progression of scope um, mm. and oh, yeah. for mm. tightness of system, like all the skills and all the skills too, like just fantastic. Mm. Um, she was on the show a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um amazing guest and personally there are very few authors or people in general who have given me as much encouragement as honor ray mm -hmm. so she's a person very close to my heart she is an amazing human being and if you haven't read all the skills yet you should really pick it up it is apparently vastly improved over royal road if that's even possible and tremendous yeah, I, book i didn't read the royal road mm -hmm. um 
I didn't read it on Royal Road. Mm. Um, again, lack of time. I don't really yeah. read much on a Royal Road anymore, mm. unfortunately. But I picked it up on it off of Amazon, and it was just it was like unbelievable. It's mm. it's the kind of book that that you expect to be on a bestseller table at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. In terms of quality. Yeah. Uh, it just yeah. If for no other reason than you loving lit RPG, you should read this book because it's mm -hmm. one of the books that will bring more readers mm -hmm. to our shores and that will allow more authors to write. And that yeah, will absolutely. get you more lit RPG books in better quality. Mm -hmm. uh, so absolutely. My shout out is for a story that is not even online yet. Um, it's written by a friend of mine, um, very dear friend. He's called Mizar Kaf. And he is writing a book called Necrologica Chronicles. At least that was the last title that he gave. <laughs> um, he has been rewriting it. Mm -hmm. um, and it is an OPMC female protagonist story. Um, last I've heard it was about Necromancer. <laughs> no, um, I, I still think it's about that. And um, he has written a very, very ambitious first novel mm -hmm. um, that got decent amount of followers. So um, really cool ideas. And I'm very happy to see how much he has improved uh, in the second book. So I'm going to link it in the description as soon as it's online. I think this book is going to come out two days or three days after this podcast goes live. So on the 1st okay. of November. Are you going to be posting in the Write-a-thon challenge? No, probably okay. not. I mean, like 55,000 words for you. That's just Tuesday. Some weeks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, we got our shout-outs. We got everything else. Um, we are now approaching the end mm -hmm. of the main podcast. But as always, there is going to be bonus material that you can listen to on Patreon. So if you're interested in that, stick around. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little show with Seth and myself. Um, like, subscribe, and do all the other bullshit. Right? Comments really help further the glory of Lit RPG to everyone. That's right. Um, but mostly, go check out Seth's channel. He's doing YouTube stuff. And he's doing very, very interesting writing advice mix of both technical writing advice, but also mindset advice, which I absolutely 100% adore. So go and check out his channel. I'm going to link it down below, where you can also leave a comment and tell Seth how great he is. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.